Welcome to your next chapter. Regardless where you stand or sit, the time to start creating a life you want is now. For some of you, that will start with a 1% shift. For others, it may mean a complete overhaul. Whether you want to start a business, a new career, or take your romantic relationship to the next level, your next chapter is the podcast that provides millennials, the coaches, experts, and entrepreneurs to build the life you want. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. If this is your first time being here, well, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate that. I am uber excited for our guest today. My guest is Ruby Freeman. We are going to dive into self-love. Self-love is such an important aspect for us all. When we love ourselves more, we are more confident in who we are. It allows us to take action, move forward in the direction that we want to. When we don't love ourselves and support ourselves and nurture ourselves the way that we need to, we can let things take over our life. We can get anxious and tense and darkness can show up. For me, I sought out Ruby when I had just come forward about being bisexual and had really struggled with that. There was a lot of shame for me in my life around that chapter. I knew I really had to focus on self-love. And so when I heard about Ruby and found her, and listen to her story. I was so empowered. She talks about how she struggled with addiction, with alcohol and drugs, and how she had crippling anxiety and depression, and how she had a cheating partner, and how she realized that everything she had created in her life was based on the decisions that she had personally made herself. She took full responsibility for her love and knew it was on her to create a healthier, more loving life for herself. Today, she's an online vlogger. She's like a speaker. She is a transformational coach and she has an online program called The Fuck Yes Life. I brought Ruby onto the show because I want to talk to her more about how to love yourself and how to live that fuck yes life. So without further ado, here is Ruby. Ruby, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me and my audience. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm excited to chat to you as well. Let's start off by asking you my favorite question. I ask all my guests this question. If your life was a book title, what would be the name of your book? The name of my book would be Rock Bottom Beauty. Rock Bottom Beauty. Okay, and why Rock Bottom Beauty? Because I have found that from hitting rock bottom multiple times in my life, that it is actually an opportunity for you to create beauty. That makes a lot of sense. I was reading your bio prior to this podcast, and it does sound like you've been at rock bottom a few times, and so I'm looking forward to getting into that a little bit. Definitely. For my audience that doesn't know you, talk a bit about what chapter you're on right now. What does your life currently look like? What do you do in your day-to-day my life right now looks nothing like I thought it would look like in, in the best way possible. Um, it's filled with a lot of positivity and, and happiness and love, but it's really, it boils down to me making the conscious and proactive effort to choose happiness and love every single day. But where I'm at right now, I'm happy to say that it's now officially become just my way of living, and I absolutely love it, so I'm super stoked to be here. Amazing. And talk a bit about the coaching that you do. I know your brand is living the fuck yes life. For people mm-hmm. that don't know a lot about that, get into that a little bit. 
Yeah, so the, the fuck yes life is a life that has you saying fuck yes every single morning. And the reason why I, I love saying that is because for so long, my life was, you know, the, oh, you know, I can't believe I have to do this again, dragging myself out of bed, sometimes not even getting out of bed if I had nothing to do. And it was just such a heavy, daunting feeling. And now I feel like I wake up every day and I'm excited about something. And it just, it's such a tremendous shift. And because I was able to make the shift, I honestly and truly believe that anyone can, that anyone can experience having a life that has them saying fuck yes every single morning. My my form of coaching is everything is based on the foundation of self-love because I believe self-love is is really the foundation upon which we build our entire lives. When we get to a place where we have a strong relationship with self, we stop settling for things that are not um, of value. We stop sell, sell, settling for things that are below our worth. We start making better choices and we start creating lives that we truly love. So self-love is a huge key factor of my coaching. And as you can tell with my tagline, I'm very blunt and very raw and very real because I believe that the best way to create change is to just get really fucking real with ourselves. I agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. I saw a post on Facebook recently that's really resonated with me. You made a mistake and you raised your prices with your tribe. You talked a bit about how you stretched the prices a bit too far and I guess your tribe got alienated and you made a mistake, but you owned up to that mistake and you shared a very vulnerable message on Facebook. And I feel people are so afraid of making mistakes and sometimes... We do, and, you know, you took the high road, and I apologize for it. But talk a little bit about what you learned from this experience, because I found it such a genuine message that you shared with your people on audience. Authenticity is something that I just feel like I was born with this ability to just be real all the time. But growing up, that that truth within me was always shut up. Like I would almost get punished every time I would just speak about my feelings or speak about my truth or react um, emotionally. And so for a long time, I bottled all of that up. And now, I mean, just recently in the last, I would say four years, I've learned to get raw and real again, because when I put myself out there in a way that is super authentic, it gives other people an opportunity to be real. And what I mean by that is when I first started posting really raw and authentic stuff online, I would get private messages from people telling me, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. This is what I'm going through. And I realized that that that's all people need. People just need this invitation to be raw and to be real. And when you are going through your social media feed and reading a bunch of bullshit and fluff that isn't really real life, it makes you feel crappy about yourself. So I want to talk, even though I'm a coach, I want to talk about the real shit in my life. I want to talk about all the good stuff, but I also want to admit when I'm having a shitty day or when I fucked up or when I, you know, move backwards in my life because that's part of the journey. I definitely got a sense of, you being real and authentic from your bio page. When I was on there, you talk a bit about early on how you had a partner who was cheating on you. You were dating this guy or guys that were cheating on you. You had friends that, you know, weren't exactly your close friends you thought they were. 
it's crippling anxiety and depression. And there was one point where you were with a bunch of pills and you had an epiphany. Mm-hmm. Talk a bit about your early years and what epiphany you had when you were staring down at those pills because it really struck a chord with me on your website, what you talk about in your bio. Yeah, so I would always numb out and that was just my thing, whether it was drugs or alcohol or prescription medication, it's just what I did because I hated feeling the heaviness of what I was going through. And when I hit rock bottom in 2012, that was at the end of a four and a half year relationship and it was really, really tough for me because this relationship was one of many that were just completely unhealthy and this one had been the most emotionally and mentally abusive relationship I had ever been in. And I just found myself in that same headspace where I was saying, why me? And I, for a moment, I just heard myself, you know, I heard myself saying, why me? And I thought, oh my God, I sound like a broken record. And I started reflecting back on all my past relationships, on my current situation with the addiction, on everything. And I realized that within it, there was many opportunities for me to walk away. I mean, it wasn't like I didn't know that my partner was not right for me. It's not like I didn't know he was going out and doing these things. There was a part of me that always knew, and I always had a choice to walk away. I just never took that choice, and that was the epiphany. was like, holy shit. I had the opportunity to create change this entire time, but I continued to choose these things. I continued to choose to numb out. I continued to choose to party. I continued to choose these men. I continued to choose to stay with this person. And that was a huge realization because if I had the power to make all these choices, that meant that I had the power to choose something else. What shifted for you? Because you talk about this on your bio page. The reason you accept this is because that's what you believed you were worth. You didn't believe right. you were worth much more than that. Yeah. What point did you like become empowered and you're like, I have the power, I have full control over my life, and I have created this for myself, as bad or good as it is. What shifted for you? So in, it was that same train of thought process where I was just left thinking, like, crap, I was able to choose all these things. And then I was like, well, why am I choosing all these things, right? Why do I keep making these choices? Why does it feel so difficult for me to even fathom choosing something else? And I realized that it was because I didn't really believe I could have it. You know, like I started thinking about, well, what would it be like to be in a healthy relationship? And the idea just quickly got pushed out of my head because I didn't believe I could have that. I didn't believe that I had what it took to get sober. I didn't believe that I had, I was an interesting enough person or a a good enough person to attract good people. I just didn't believe any of that. And that was such a sad truth to swallow. I just all of a sudden felt so alone and I remember the first, one of the first things I did in, in, in that rock bottom, um, moment was I started taking stock of my life and taking inventory and, and looking around and seeing, well, what are the things that I'm keeping in my life that I know aren't good for me? And it was a lot of people, a lot of different influences. But when you're in such a miserable, a miserable place and when you don't really truly value your worth, you will surround yourself with people who are toxic and people who 
will treat you like shit because that's your comfort zone. So I was just really comfortable in this negative, miserable place because that was all that I knew. But that doesn't mean that's all that was out there for me. So in order for me to try and experience something different, I had to start to be different and think different and do things differently. And the doing things differently, I think, is the hard part. And that's where a lot of people get stuck because it takes a lot of effort. But, I mean, I was just so determined to at least try, like at least try to experience something different because I knew if I stayed do in in that point in my life doing the things that I was doing it would not end well and I was scared what did that shift look like for you did you try new exercises did you stop talking to people did you start going to new events like how did it's obviously a habit you have to stop doing what you're doing and replace it with new habits what did you start doing to move away from the life you didn't want yeah, I, that, see, that's the, the fully loaded question and it's super hard because you're so used to doing the things that you're doing that the idea of doing anything different, especially something that is so far out of my miserable comfort zone, it, it almost felt impossible. But I thought, well, one of the first things I can do is probably eat better and work out. And I started doing yoga. I would replace a couple of nights a week of going out with yoga classes at night and I purposely would pick late night classes so that I would avoid going out. I picked two days a week because I thought, well, you know, two days a week feels realistic and it feels like something I can commit to. So I started small and one of the things that I did really early on was start to just get rid of people and anyone who was draining, anyone who was influencing me in the wrong direction or even just be supporting my negative behavior I had to get rid of because I knew that keeping these people in my life would would not you know it just wouldn't benefit my growth so I started getting rid of a lot of friends and I probably got rid of about 85 percent of the people that I used to hang out with and that's when things get really really lonely and it was tough, tough, and I, I remember crying almost every single day, but yoga became my getaway. It became this haven that I would walk into this yoga room and find peace. And slowly, I started craving things that made me feel good, like yoga made me feel good. So in getting physically healthier, I feel like that gave me power, and for years, I felt powerless. So it was really symbolic for me to have that physical power back in my body because I felt like that was what gave me a little more emotional and mental power to get through that rock bottom experience. You have a great quote on your website. It says, the past is a place of reference, not a place of residence. Yes. And I know Tony Robbins has a thing to work biography or your, your past is not your future, right? Your biography is not your destiny. And there's lots of people, and there's actually a quote by Jordan Belfort I put out recently on Instagram, no matter what happened in the past, you are not your past. You are the resources and capability of gleaned from it. Mm -hmm. And I find it very interesting how people get stuck in their past. You know, they have these stories, they have these past behaviors that keep repeating themselves again and again. Why do you think we live in our past? Why is it so hard for us to move forward? 
because we get comfortable there. You know, it's, we fear change. I mean, it's, it's natural. Human beings fear change. That's what we feel fear when we're faced with change. We feel fear when we're faced with something new. We feel fear. And when we're trying to make a shift in our life and go into, you know, create massive changes that bring us into a happier, healthier version of ourselves, it can feel really scary and really tough to accept. So we go back into that place of the past. It's comforting. It's comforting in a very odd way. And I call this the norm. So for me, for example, for years, my norm was to be miserable and to surround myself with chaos and to feel like crap. But I, it was almost like I felt super cozy and comfortable in that misery, you know, like my nights of crying and listening to sad music and, and, and just beating myself up. That was comfortable. That was my norm because that felt like what I had been doing for so long. And anytime happiness or positivity or real love or anything like that would come into my life, I would self-sabotage and push it away because that was not my norm. So it's the same idea is when we start moving forward and things start getting better, it's really easy to go back and, and want to cuddle up with our past because it's cozy and it's comfortable and that's what we knew for so long. But that, it, I mean, it's simply a place of reference and whatever we experience in the past gives us the tools to move forward into our future. So if you want to reflect on your past, that's a great thing to do. But don't live there. Because when you live there, all you're doing is holding yourself back from really experiencing what's right in front of you and being present. I was talking to Lexi Panos recently, and she was talking about how we're addicted to our stories. And it's exactly that thing where we don't want to let go of the past because that's our identity. That's who we are. And we have such a hard time letting, because it sounds so counterintuitive, even like you being miserable. It's like, well, why would a person want to stay miserable? If you're crying, you're upset. It's like, you would think you'd want to move away from that. Yet we keep repeating these stories to ourselves that aren't serving us, that aren't giving us the lives that we want. Yet we hold on to them for so long. Mm-hmm. We do. And I think for, for a lot of people too, is when you're going through a lot of stuff like that, as you're going through it, you don't really share a lot of it, right? But once you start to come out of it, you start to speak more of it. And a lot of us just want to be heard. And so we continue to talk about our past. We continue to be in our past because we have this craving, this yearning to be heard and almost feel validated for the crap that we went through. But the only person that needs to validate that you did experience some, some hardships is you. And that's it. You don't need other people to because we all have a story. And it really just comes down to honoring that story and honoring it as, as simply like a, a chapter, like you like to say, a chapter of our lives. And that's it. A hundred percent. I recently came forward with one of my greatest truths and vulnerabilities. I talked about being bisexual on my podcast. And now it's really hard for me to come forward with because it actually caused a lot of pain and anxiety in my life. But as soon as I did, it was so relieving. It's like the stories that I created around that identity in my head almost washed away. It was like overnight I found like new acceptance and love with myself just mm -hmm. because I became honest again with who I was to the world. 
Yeah, and that's huge. And I mean, congratulations on doing that because that is something that many people can't can't even find the courage to do. And that sense of a relief, I feel like that's, I mean, you're really opening your throat chakra. You're speaking your truth and you're being who you are. And that is such a gift because that is how we can truly step into our power. One thing since I've done I've been really focusing a lot on self-love. And I know that on your website, there's another quote that I really like. It said, all love begins with self-love. Mm-hmm. For you, how do you, like, because it seems self-love is a huge part of your journey. You talked a bit about how you, you know, you stopped going out two nights a week or a couple nights a week and you started doing yoga. What does self-love look like for you? Because I feel that was such an important moment in your life where you really were able to shift things for yourself. Yeah, well, self-love, I feel like it, it, it's an ongoing relationship with self. So I would say 2012 is the year where I began dating myself. And by dating myself, I mean, getting to know myself, my needs, my values, everything. So there's this weird misconception with self love out there where people think it's, you know, it is just taking yourself to yoga, it is getting massage, it's treating yourself to nice things. It's doing affirmations, but it's so much more than that. When you think about a relationship that you have with someone, think about what you do to, when you're in that relationship. You get to know the person. You get to know their needs, what what they desire, what their dreams are, what they're most passionate about, who they truly are. But why don't we do that with ourselves? So for me, when I was in that place and I understood finally that the life that I created was really because the life that mirrored how I felt inside, I knew that I had to fix that inside and really get to know what it is that my inside wanted. So it was about getting real with myself, owning my shit. I always say owning your shit is one of the most powerful things you can do. I began taking responsibility for everything that I've experienced in my life. And I just started doing things that felt really good for me. So whether that was honoring my needs on a certain day or going to yoga or understanding that I did need to go to therapy or understanding that I did need help. It was doing those things all the while understanding what it is that I truly desire and focusing on that because I think for so long I was focusing on all the things I didn't want that I was just attracting those things. When you start to focus on what it is you do want, things start to open up. So self-love really is an ongoing relationship with self and I'm still in that relationship and the journey is going to be going on until the day I die. And Every day is different, but every day I make the effort to make that connection with self and to ensure that everything that I do in my life, every choice that I make every single day is aligned with what I truly desire and who I want to truly be. I had Ali Petrini on this podcast a little bit ago, and she's the founder or the co-founder of uh, an organization called When in Doubt Love. And I feel you guys should really, I should put you guys in touch. But she was talking, she just exercised with me on the podcast where she's like, list all the things you love. And I listed six things. And she's like, none of them were yourself. Mm-hmm. And then she said, she's like, when did it become such like a crazy idea to love yourself? And that's where like they kind of came up with When in Doubt Love. Because we live in this time and day and age where it's like the idea of loving yourself is almost like a radical idea. And she's like, that's a huge problem in the world because like we're not spending enough time conditioning ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And I feel there's a critical part that a lot of people neglect in themselves, just sitting down and dating themselves and giving them the things that they need. 
Yeah, it's true because, you know, at a young age, especially the, you know, Gen X, Gen Y millennials, our parents did the best they could. They did what they were taught and no one ever taught them to value themselves, right? We were taught how to take care of other people, how to respect other people, how to be successful, how to work hard. We were never taught how to value who we truly are and get to know what we want, right? We just have been going through the motions, you know, going to school, getting degrees, getting good jobs. And then all of a sudden you hit this weird plateau in your life and you're like, why the fuck am I doing these things? And it's all due to not really fully understanding who you are. So I feel like now with all this awareness around the idea of self and self-love and personal development, that the next generations to come are going to be so different. And this is just such a beautiful time to be alive and to witness how people are evolving and placing more importance on self. Your website is called I Am Ruby, and there's a really interesting story behind the I Am Ruby, because you talk about how the I Am means you're taking ownership of your stories and your actions. When you do that, you start vibrating at a higher level. I'm curious to know, when you started relating yourself with I Am Ruby and taking more responsibility, what shifted, like, what did you, what did you see shift for yourself in your life? I mean, everything. Because... My entire life up until 2012, I was always pointing the finger. I was always placing blame. I was always playing the victim. I mean, that was the card I, I felt like I was dealt. You know, I felt like God was punishing me. Life was punishing me. I just, that's what I felt. I took no responsibility. And the moment I started to take ownership was the moment that I gained this mass amount of power. And what I did with that power was I started to create change. And I began to really own who I was. I didn't want to be ashamed anymore. I didn't want to feel guilty. I didn't want to hold resentment. I didn't want to be angry. I just wanted to love. I wanted to love my past. I wanted to love all those who caused me pain. I wanted to love every single experience, the good, bad, and ugly. I just wanted to love because everything that I had experienced in my life had led me to that point where I stood. So by saying I am Ruby... It's me being really proud of the woman that I am. And I can tell you for certain that I, that's not something I could say. It, it, it was, I hated being me. And now I absolutely love being me. So I am is a very powerful vibration. Well, and that's how exactly I felt with my bisexual side and, you know, dating men is I hated that side of me. And it was the point where it almost created so much anxiety and pain for myself where it's like the only mm -hmm. I could do was come forward with it, come clean, and talk and start embracing it because it was creating so much havoc and destruction that it wasn't getting me to the place I need to go. I had to accept it and acknowledge it myself because right. it was just too painful. Yeah. For the clients you work with, your website's called Fuck Yes Life. How does, if somebody's like, yeah, I want to fuck yes life, what do you start working with people? How does that begin for you? I mean, that's different for everyone, um, but usually it's just taking a look at what's working, what's not, and understanding where they'd like to be, and if they don't even understand where they'd like to be, then it's focusing on the vision. Well, what is it that you would like to see happen in your life, and going for it, and, and building that with them, and then going about what they need to do to get there. A lot of it is based on learning how to maneuver through fear, learning how to maneuver through limiting beliefs, um, learning how to maneuver through our inner critic, 
and getting in touch with what it is that we truly want at the essence of our being and that self-love. Do you spend a lot of time with your clients getting them to open up to you? Is it important for you to really understand, you know, like their deepest wants and the deepest pain points and their deepest fears in order to help them move through what they're going through? Of course it is. Of course. I mean, I am super raw and transparent as a coach and all I ask is that my clients do the same because if you're not willing to open up, how am I supposed to help guide you? For someone who wants to start moving the fuckiest life, what is the first thing they should do to get going in that direction? Understand what that means for them. What does a fuckiest life look like for you? Because for everyone, it's different, yet for some reason, a lot of people don't even understand what that looks like. They just go after things because they see other people going after things. So really get get really real with yourself and understand what is it that you truly desire in your life? How do you want your life to look? What would feel really good? When you work, do you mean like values? Like, is money the most important thing? Is giving back the most important thing? Like, is that how you let people define what they want in their lives for your for your clients? Yeah, but even with like, say someone says money, well, then I'm going to dig into well, why is money important? Because there's usually a whole other reason, and it's not just money. It's because well, I want the financial freedom to do X. Well, then the X is what's important to them. It's not the money. Right? It's what they want to use the money for. That's what's important for them. So getting in touch with that. So really just removing all the bullshit. And I, I call it unlearning because I feel like a lot of the stuff we've learned is, is it gets in the way of who we truly are. So it's, it's getting clear on their vision and understanding what it is that they truly want. And, and a lot of that is getting real with themselves. I watched one of your YouTube videos leading up to this interview, and this is back from September 2015, but it's called Stop Pushing and Start Trusting. Mm-hmm. It really resonated with me because I'm at this point where I'm, I've been building my podcast since September, and you know I'm really trusting more in the process, and as I've been doing it, it's moving forward. But can you give an experience where you've trusted, and because in the video you talked about how there's some miracles and things where you started aligning for yourself in your life, how when you started to trust, things started happening for you in your life yeah so I mean there's so many examples because I feel like I'm I'm, I've been in super trust mode since then but what it feels like to trust I think because this is important is to you have to embrace what I call a knowingness you have to just know that things are going to happen and a lot of that is based I mean all of that is based on understanding that you're worth having it happen and understanding that you have the capabilities to make it happen and then just trusting that it's going to happen because if you're constantly pushing, 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 it creates some sort of like energetic resistance. So for me, like say with this career, with building my business, whenever I get into a, a state where I am pushing a lot and forcing things to happen, things don't happen. But when I start working on my mindset and start putting myself in a successful mindset, putting myself in a mindset that just knows and is convinced that everything is just going to happen and everything, my, you know, my ideal clients are going to come to me and, and everything's in the flow, things begin to flow. 
You know, like this at the beginning of this year, I did a lot of work at, at the end of last year where I was sitting down with myself probably like 20 minutes every morning, you know, visualizing what was going to happen with my business and getting into that real state of trusting that it was going to happen. And my business blew up in January with ease, with absolute ease. There was no forcing at all. So that's what I, I'm talking about when it's, it comes to trust is just creating the vision and trusting that it's all going to unfold and not forcing. When you find yourself forcing or you catch yourself forcing, what do you do in that moment? How do you get yourself out of it? When it starts to feel like you're forcing things too much, just pause for a moment and re it's like you have to, take a moment to pause. And I think people get really scared of, of pausing because you feel as though the only way to achieve growth or success is through constant momentum, but that's not true. The best way to achieve growth, personal growth and success is by taking a lot of pauses because we need the time to reflect and integrate. So if you find yourself in a place where you feel your energy being drained because you're constantly pushing, just pause for a moment and then ask yourself how you can begin trusting. Because we're usually forcing too much when there's a part of us that doesn't believe it will really happen. It sounds like you're very big on listening to your body and energy. When things, like how much time would you give yourself? Like let's say things aren't aligning, like is it indefinite? Or like if things aren't working out, like what would you do to kind of get things realigning? Or is it just kind of get to trust the process and give yourself as much time and space as you need to? I alignment really if if things don't feel good you're not in alignment when things are in alignment things begin to feel good so it's about finding the things that feel good and that's the simplest way I can explain alignment so when you feel like you're in a point in your life and things don't feel good and things are just you know shits hitting the fan left right and center and stuff just isn't working out you're not in alignment and in order to get back into alignment, you have to get back in touch with what it is that you truly desire. So what is that vision for yourself? What does that ideal life or fuck yes life look like for you? And are the things that are presented on your path right now, the things that you're choosing, are those aligned with that life? And if they aren't, then why are you pursuing it? Growing up, did you have any like mentors or influences i'm curious to know what inspired you to really go after this fucking life obviously you talked about your personal stories but curious to know if there's anyone or anything that shaped you growing up that really gave you the courage to go after this life i am gonna be brutally honest here and say i had nothing i mean growing up i didn't look up to anyone i really really didn't and i felt like um you were never I, a Tony I, Robbins fan or no, you, you didn't do any of the self-help not, or any, none of that stuff. None of that. And I didn't really get into it until, um, I mean, I got, I was into spirituality. I've always been a very, very spiritual person. Um, but I didn't really get into personal growth until 2012. I really didn't. And I was first introduced to Gabby Bernstein in 2012, and she has played a big influence on my life since then. But I just didn't. It was like there was a part of me that refused to look that way. What were you doing prior to 2012? What was your profession at that point in time before you kind of turned into this chapter? 
I worked in nightlife. I was a production and marketing manager. So basically, I worked um, for producing music concerts, you know, large scale raves. I worked with all, you know, uh, it was a very glamorous lifestyle. You know, I worked with some of the top artists in the EDM music industry. I've, I was always at some of the most, you know, the biggest parties, the most VIP events. That was my life for, you know, about six years. And it was really exciting, but it was completely unaligned with what I truly wanted. It must have been pretty easy to get lost in that world, too, between all the parties and all the drugs and everything that would be an easy place to just have a lot of fun and not really connect with your vision as well. It really was. And, and to be honest, that was the first time in my life where I really felt liked because once I got into that industry and I started to gain success for myself, everybody wanted to be my friend. But it was trying to be my friend for the wrong reasons, right? Because they wanted things from me. But that's why I sucked, I got sucked in because for the first time in my life, I felt very, very liked and I enjoyed that feeling. And so I just allowed myself to get sucked in and, and the drugs and the alcohol. I mean, that was all around me. And for someone who was going, who was dealing with depression and anxiety, it can be an extremely dangerous place to be. And, and that was what I found myself in. Growing up in high school then, were you not a popular kid? No. <laughs> N-O. No. I mean, I, I had friends, but I wasn't super popular. I was always, you know, the awkward one that was trying to fit in. I would say that in my senior years in grade 11 and 12, I started to have more friends um, and hanging out with more popular people, but I was always inauthentic to who I truly was and never really quite fit in. And university was the same for you. It wasn't really much of a shift for you when you went to university. I did not go to university. I went to college um, for a couple years and um, I was married. My first marriage was at a very young age. So I didn't really experience any of that. <laughs> Interesting. So you got married at a young age. Wait, so let's talk about this. I didn't notice about this. You had an <laughs> early marriage that failed. What happened there? Why did it fall apart for you? Um, you know, young love, really. I was 20. He was 21. Um, and we really just had different needs and different values. And our lives grew apart. And it just, it wasn't the healthiest of marriages. And... It was very tough to go through that I th in, at a very young age um, because at, when you're in your early 20s and you're in love, you feel like love is your entire world and there's nothing else out there. So I, I was married for five and a half years, um, a long time. I gave it everything I had and I didn't walk away until I had absolutely zero doubt that that was the right decision for me. Did you get married because, like, that was what people do next in life? Like, you were 20, you had found somebody that you were in love with at the time, like you said, young love, but in love, and was it just kind of like, I guess this is the next chain of events? Like, it didn't sound like you were living a very intentional life at that time, so what influenced you to make that decision? I was just really in love and young and... 
I had always had this vision in my head that I would be married young and have kids at a very young age. I mean, I had created this vision as a child because that's what I saw with my family. And so I was basically trying to mimic what I had when in reality, that's not what I truly wanted. And I discovered that very quickly. How did you end up going into the EDM industry? So how did you go from that? Was that kind of like a place to escape? What was the transition like from your marriage to how you became involved in that industry? Um, there, I mean, a lot happened in between that time. So when I experienced my first divorce, um, during that marriage, I was also, I had hit rock bottom. And that was when my addictions to prescription drugs began was during that marriage. Um, so when I got divorced, it was really the first time in my life at 26 years old, the first time in my life that I began living on my own. Cause I went from living in my parents' home to living with him. And that was a very exciting time for me to be because I was single and I was living on my own and I was 26 and I began going out because prior to that, I never went out. I mean, I was engaged when I was 19 years old. I just didn't do all the things that young adults do. And so I would go out and I was going out constantly, you know, like five nights a week. And it just became part of my life. I would work this corporate day job at the bank go out at, at night and then show up at work the next day. And it was just crazy. Um, but I think from there, because I didn't do the self work, like when I look back and I think back to those times, yes, I was super happy, but I didn't do any healing. I didn't really figure out the root of the problem, which was me not knowing myself. And I just started adding all this excitement on top. And that was the concoction for, it was like the perfect formula for disaster. So, over the, the next about four years, I just continued to dig myself deeper and deeper into this pit, all because I didn't take the time to get to know my needs and what I truly wanted. Interesting. This podcast is called Your Next Chapter. What is next for Ruby on your agenda in life? I would say expansion, and I and I mean that in every single aspect of my life. Expansion in my career, expansion in my home with my, you know, with a family, expansion with my relationships with my friends, expansion in every way, mind, body, soul, because I am just, I'm so ready, you know, like I feel like I've done all the healing, I've done all the forgiving, I'm out here rocking my purpose, and I'm just ready to feel expansion amazing and is there anything that you're struggling with in your next chapter or what's holding you back from that expansion happening yeah um i would say upper limit so because i have always embodied a limiting um belief lim a, a, an assortment of limiting beliefs about myself I've been breaking through them, you know, crushing through them over the last four years and they still pop up. And I know that every time I hit like this top tier of my life where things are so good, I hit another upper limit. And so I know that this next chapter with expansion, I'm going to be hit with a bunch of upper limits, but I've just got to continue to keep pushing through them. And it's a day to day thing. You know, it's like every day I make the conscious effort to be happy, to push through, to work on myself and 
pushing through my upper limits is the same thing as I, when I'm faced with it, I just have to choose to push through. Amazing. I like it. Is there any last words of advice you want to leave the audience with here before we wrap up? Yeah, just, you know, we all have a past and we've all been through shit. I mean, there's, there's no such thing as, as your shit is worse than mine and mine is worse than yours. We all have a story. But our story is where our power comes from, right? Because everything that we experience gives us gifts and those gifts come in the form of lessons, of tools. So use your past to your advantage. Find the tools that have been given to you and apply them to your life because everyone has the power to create a fuckiest life. You simply have to choose to do it. For people that want to find out more information about your contact you, where can they track you down? You can find me online, www.iamru.by. I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com slash at IamRuby, and then Twitter and Instagram at IamRuby. That's I-A-M-R-U-B-Y. So hit me up, message me, contact me, and I'll, I would absolutely love to hear from you. I will put all those notes as well into the show notes, and people can reach out to you there for sure. Cool. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today. Appreciate it a lot. Yeah, thank you for having me, Philip. Thanks, Ruby. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Ruby. We really dove into how to live a fuck yes life. And like Ruby mentioned, it really begins by understanding what is it that your fuck yes life looks like. Without getting clear on that, it's really hard for us to know where we want to go and where we want to move forward to. One thing I really want to highlight about what Ruby said is that when I asked her about loving herself, she said, there's a misconception in today's day and age about loving yourself. And it's really not just doing things for yourself. It's really about deeply, intimately knowing yourself. And the way she explained it, it's like when you're dating somebody else, you want to find out what they're passionate about, how you can support them, what their deepest desires are, how they can move forward. Very rarely do we take that same amount of time to intimately get to know ourselves and treat ourselves in that same way. We all have passions and desires, yet we don't always know how to support ourselves to live our fullest expression and how to move forward. And that's really what the fuck yes life is about. It's about getting crystal clear on what you want your life to look like and then how do you make that happen? As Ruby said herself, that as long as we take responsibility for our lives, our lives can come to fruition. When she was living a toxic life, her life reflected that it mirrored her exterior. When she was living a more passionate life and more aligned, everything around her started happening. And that's really the key to a fuck yes life is just understanding that what we're creating outside of us is a reflection of what's happening inside of us. And so fuck yes living begins by being true and authentic and really knowing what it is that you want to go after. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed it, I hope you check out another episode. Jump onto my email list at philipsprinsky.com and have the latest episodes sent to you. If you enjoyed the episode, I ask that you pass it along to one person. Thank you so much for being a guest today and look forward to having you on the show next time.